Hello, welcome to ATM, Artists Talk Movies, a podcast interviewing creatives about films that have inspired and or influenced their personal studio work. I'm Hyde Fontenot, and I'm here with co-host Aaron Stafford. We're here to talk about contemporary art and the creative impulse with new guests each episode. We're having casual conversations. We don't pretend to be authorities. We're hoping to give you a window into the visionary process of makers. Schwarzes. So, hi, Aaron. Well, hello, hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm great, I'm great. Um, so, this week, we're going to be talking with Naima Lowe, mm-hmm. who's a Tulsa-based artist, and uh, should I just introduce her now? Well, um, let's... Or do you want to talk about something? Well, I just wanted to um, talk about Blazing Saddles for our listeners Oh, um, yeah. that uh, we're going to be discussing today. Have I'm, when was the last time you've seen Blazing Saddles besides Oh, recently? God. Um, you know, I oddly enough, I started watching it last year and got a f- couple of chuckles, uh-huh. but then sort of lost interest uh-huh. <laughs> or got distracted. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so it was kind of on my to-do list to see what I remembered of it, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. And... Uh, and um, so it was an opportunity to watch it. Yeah, again. yeah. It's that's funny because I watched it about a year ago, um, and my boyfriend and I were doing this thing where he would pick a movie that I haven't seen, and I would do the same, and so we would kind of go back and forth. Um, and this was a movie that I had never seen before, but I'm a big fan of Mel Brooks, so we watched it yeah. about a year ago. But I think my pandemic brain got mushy because I really forgot a lot of it. So it was yeah. it was nice to sort of look at it again through some fresh eyes and yeah. thinking about it as an artist. Um, yes. And so that, I think we're going to have some good conversations. And I've noticed that I watch things with a different degree of attention, knowing that we're going to speak about things. I feel like I'm picking up on different information i'm kind of cataloging it yeah yeah it it it's more and you're more invested i think in watching it like i almost want to watch things now with subtitles just so that i make sure that i'm not missing anything Um, yeah yeah for i think my hearing's like not great sometimes so i just it's like what what did they just say oh okay um, well, yeah. <laughs> I would say let's um, go ahead and introduce our guest artist. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to sort of like give you some background on Naima. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Naima's a black, queer, womanish mm-hmm. <laughs> person living in Tulsa, Oklahoma with her chihuahua Jake. <laughs> uh, and and that, that womanish is by her own definition. So I just just so we're clear there. Gotcha. And Naima is a multidisciplinary, oh, sorry, multidisciplinary artist who is um four generations of black people who made things musicians fashion designers teachers waitresses farm laborers 
And so uh, they are steeped in black cultural production characterized by alchemic survival. Um, Naima earned her BA um, from Brown University and an MFA from Temple and has exhibited at Anthology Film Archives, Wing Luke Museum, Mix Experimental Film Festival, uh, which I believe is like an offshoot of... Um, Oh, it's like the New York Experimental Queer Ooh. Film Festival. Uh, she was a featured artist in Concept, Oklahoma's triennial exhibition of contemporary art, and was selected um, to be an artist in residence at Malay Colony, Vermont Studio Center, Jack Straw Cultural Center, Bemis. Um, currently living and working in Oklahoma, uh, in Tulsa, uh, where she's developing a retail art business out of her living room and working on a commission for the Oklahoma Visual Art Coalition's annual Art 365 exhibition, which is actually up uh, right now um, at uh, Living Arts in Tulsa, Oklahoma until August 6th. And then we'll move to Oklahoma City uh, August 19th through September 19th at a, a space called Art Space Gallery in Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. So um, that is, so, uh, you know, kind of an introduction, gives you a uh, little context for Naima. And uh, shall we bring her on? Absolutely. Naima, are you there? I'm here. Hi, y'all. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hi. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. We're yeah. so excited <clears throat> to talk about this movie. This is a really... We haven't really done a comedy, I don't think. Well, we did yeah. uh, The Birdcage. Oh. Birdcage was definitely comedy. But oh, that's right. This is a. Um, gotcha. This is very different. This is, this is also our inaugural AM morning... Oh my goodness, <laughs> ...morning <yes. laughs> recording. Uh -huh. <laughs> Uh, uh, it, we're it, all like slowly getting here. For our listeners, we Aaron and I yeah. been, try to talk our <laughs> I've been up since like six thirty, uh teaching Oh good god. I've been talking about like texture to a bunch of like eighteen year olds this morning, so um, uh, in, yeah. in a college classroom, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I need a little bit more information there. Yeah. I've been talking to <laughs> <laughs> just random eighteen-year-olds, young street. people about texture. Oh, weird. so you're that lady in the neighborhood? I'm that lady. <laughs> They're like, uh -huh. quick, get in your car. <laughs> here, here she comes. Man, there, there is a fellow in the neighborhood who's. Um, uh, what I don't know what you call him, but he exposes himself to women. Oh, and I have been oh, a victim of this. Um, unfortunate. What? Yes, it's crazy. He'll and that's like that's something from a Mel Brooks movie. It totally is. I think that actually happens in Blazing Saddles. I think there's like a town, like exposure guy. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think in that little town. <laughs> Exhibitionist, flasher, yeah. I told my mother about what happened to me, and she, it had been like several weeks, and she said, Erin, call the police right now. I'm like, well, what are they going to do, Mom? Like, are they, they, I don't have a license plate. I just have a description 
of somebody stroking themselves in a car. Um, Ew. So it's, it, yeah. <laughs> I mean. Oh, I'm so sorry. Eh, you know, it made for an interesting morning, that's for sure. But That happened today? <laughs> no, 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 no. That was like, oh. that was like maybe a year ago. But I hear um, other women talk about this guy, this like weirdo yeah. um, who goes around the neighborhood. It's mostly Ugh. like women that he uh, young women that he comes up to with dogs. So if you're walking your dog, you know, chances are you'll probably... He's walking he's his walk- dog, too. Huh? <laughs> he is. Uh, yeah, that's pretty gross. Anywho. All right. Well, <laughs> on to more savory topics. I feel like there were lots of uh, penis jokes in this movie. I had forgotten... It's true. ...how many... <laughs> There were. Oh, penis jokes, fart jokes. totally. It's like dad. Oh, so much body humor. Well, you know, okay, so here's the thing with me and Blazing Saddles. The reason I picked this movie. Dying to know. Is that (laughs) I have, listen, y'all, I have seen this movie no less than like, I think I've seen it like hundreds of times. Um, What? I can like, I can like recite whole portions of it from memory. I can definitely like sing along to every single one of the musical numbers. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can definitely like, res- and definitely like speak along to some of the, um, different, you know, patches of like iconic dialogue. And this is because when I was a kid, I want to say I was pretty young. I want to say I was like between like seven and eight maybe this was like a one of very few vhs tapes we had in our house because it was my dad's favorite movie no way like when it came out and that summer there was a summer where he was teaching it because you know my dad is like a professor or yeah and taught like at the time at wesleyan where we lived in connecticut and he was teaching it and or had taught it maybe the semester before as part of because he taught like african-american studies and and would bring in sort of humor and kind of cultural stuff into it. And so that was, so it was just in the house. And again, one of relatively few. Um, And so I would just, you know, stick the movie in and just watch it. Like it was your little mermaid. (laughs) mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It was one of my like go-tos and was for years. And, and like, there was probably a gap, you know, at some point when it was like, when I was like more on my own and da da da. But like, I have seen it so many times, so many times. And that's why when you asked initially, I was like, I should probably be thinking about some, like, you know, I was like, I was a damn film professor for a while. Like I should probably be thinking of some like deep, something or other shit and then I was like oh no but I'm like I'm tired I'm moving (laughs) yeah we're watching Blazing Saddles so (laughs) yeah okay so also what our audience might need to know is that Naeem is a horse girl right I am and and rides so when when did you when did you see the (laughs) film the first time and when did you develop your habit of riding you know it's probably a rat in similar time frame yeah like if i was you know i was probably taking you know i never had like a horse or did it like that deep but i like took lessons and like yeah went to like you know like a 
day camp where there was like horses you could ride that kind of thing yeah um in elementary school so it was it would have been around then um around the same time that i like got into it and you know the my father's love for it was definitely so it was also something we would do together as we'd watch it Mm -hmm. um and he would tell the story of like going to see it like with um with his brother, who his younger brother, who's usually like my dad is sort of like the the more kind of like calm, not pious, but like more, he's like the oldest, the sibling. He's like the kind of professorly one, whatever. And my you know uncle is more the kind of wild one. But apparently it was like the opposite when they went to see this movie that my father was like falling out oh, and like wow. <laughs> embarrassing everybody in the movie theater because he was like ah. And then my uncle was like, oh, my God. So, yeah. So that was also part of it was that it was like this was like our thing that like our love for this movie. Um, And, you know, we also like watched other, you know, he really loved Mel Brooks. And, you know, there's that whole thing as well. But like this one, you know, so we also really like Young Frankenstein and some of the other Mel Brooks movies. But like this one was like the anchor Partly because I don't know if y'all know this or saw this in the credits. It was written, it was written by Mel Brooks and um, um, is it Gene uh, Wilder? Richard Pryor? No, not Gene. Richard Pryor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was written yeah. by by Richard Pryor, and Richard Pryor was originally going to play the role yeah. that Cleavon Little played. But I th- if I've, I think I read somewhere that it was like, they needed somebody who was l- a little bit more like serene. Mm-hmm. They needed the cool. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And and maybe also something with a little bit less of a sort of like notoriety yes. um, as to yes. play the role. But like, yeah, the two of them wrote it. It's very Richard Pryor, mm-hmm. like the kinds of humor, all the queerness, yeah. <laughs> all the right. like, you know, like, like, so yeah and you know one of the things I think about watching it as an adult now it's like I mean obviously like literally there's nothing in that movie that I do not remember because yeah. I've watched it so many times but there's lots of things that kind of went over my head oh, or wow. I didn't understand sure. as a kid <laughs> because I was a kid and so like the extent to which you know like I remember at some point as an adult like describing the movie to somebody who had also seen it and I was like you know it's like it's so funny it's so ridiculous you know all the sort of like you know um kind of vague like queer references and the person was like vague what do you mean vague (laughs) (laughs) and I was like you made a good point and then I like thought about it and I was like yeah like Gene Wilder like fully comes on to Cleavon Little in that first scene when they meet they stare at each other they stare at each other and he says he said well what do you like to do and he says I don't know, screw, <laughs> play chess. <laughs> play chess, screw. And he's like, yeah, and it's so funny knowing that Richard Pryor wrote this gives me a different read on it mm-hmm. because there are moments when you're just like thinking about uh, like why are why is Mel Brooks talking about this? Like why why does he feel entitled mm-hmm. to delve into this material? I mean, and what I I one a couple of things I think about when I read watched this, and especially now, like and also thinking about talking about it is like I think about that I the questions and the ideas and like what the humor is, and you know, and Mel Brooks is such a like satirist, 
but like mm-hmm. satirizing yeah. Grace is like a very particular thing, but that's very Richard Pryor. And I, part of what I love about it is that by not uh-huh. having, even though he wrote it, by not having him in it, it does almost seem like it's just going to be like a Mel Brooks vehicle, right? And then mm-hmm. it's yeah. doing this like really deep racial satire, um, which is right. not necessarily mm-hmm. his thing, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. and doing it in a way that you almost don't expect because it's not, ac- you don't have that sort of goofiness of Richard Pryor, right? You have this like cool, like the two uh-huh. you know, main characters are like these really cool right. kind of like New Yorkers, essentially, like uh-huh. in the West, uh-huh. you know, just being like kind of dapper and gay, you know? And uh-huh. the part about yeah. it that I yeah. read, like the things that my dad loved, it's like part of what makes satire work is like, you know, these kind of like collisions of things that like make sense, but don't make sense. Like, so the part (laughs) where, you know, he, where Cleveland Little like becomes the, um, is, you know, assigned to be the sheriff. And, you know, of course they're sending him in to get set up and all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. And he like shows up on the scene, like walk, you know, come through the desert on his like perfect Palomino horse and his like gorgeous. Yes you know, uh, outfit and all sort of stuff. A conscious right? saddle. And his conscious yeah. saddle, and, and he looks so beautiful. And you hear Count Basie Orchestra in the background. Like, this is the stuff my dad is a musician. Like, this is what gets mm. him every time, yeah. is you hear Count Basie in the background. But then, as, then you see that, that's actually Count Basie, like, in the middle of the desert, <laughs> like, playing yes. Yes. in the orchestra, you know? Um, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I also noticed that they referenced two different Cole Porter songs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, and, which is also like a queer composer. Oh, absolutely. Well, because so much of yeah. it is about <clears throat> what I realized in this movie, especially looking at it now, is like the queerness that's in it and the music. It, I mean, it's such a send up of like, it's such a send up of you know, the Western and all of its tropes and bullshit, right? And all yes. its racism yes. and all this other stuff, right? <laughs> Why, what do you mean, Naima? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe what I, you know, just like all the, the whole storyline, the, the, the little perfect town, you know, the, the villains, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of that stuff, right? But also it's a send up of like, on the meta, very Mel Brooks level, the mm-hmm. send up of like, all of the weird things about Hollywood and all of its kind of contradictions. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, Uh so like the whole idea of like a Western as this like really manly genre. Totally. So a kind of poking at all the ways that that world, all of the queerness that's just like inherent to it, but then also poking at all the ways that like Hollywood is supposedly like all about all this manly bullshit, but then also is so queer, right? And similarly to the way like Mel Brooks yeah. pokes at it's like it's supposed to be all these Gentiles, it's supposed to be all these white people, but of course it's so many Jews, so many queer mm-hmm. people, so many black yeah. people like actually yeah. making the stuff happen, <laughs> like actually being yeah. the ones who are funny and interesting and creative um, yeah. in that world. In, in opposition to the town folk, who are all named Johnson. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was so funny. Oh, no. <laughs> I know, the Johnsons. Uh-huh. And they kind of work as a unit. Right. They, they're, they're, they're like a ready mom. Oh, yeah. Is that another penis joke? I'm not... 
I'm not sure if I'm reading oh, too well, much into yeah, that Maybe. One. I'd never thought uh, about it like that, but it makes you sense. You know, Aaron, <laughs> I think that's a safe yeah. bet. Okay. I mean, I think it's a combination of, like, it's a dick joke. <laughs> it's like, a, you know, Johnson's, like, the most sort of generic, Oh yeah. you know, um, white people, white name. people name mm-hmm. and how sort of like inbred all these people are and like all this stuff. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Naima, yeah. could you uh, summarize the movie for our listeners sure. who might want a refresher? Sure, sure, sure. So the Blazing Saddles, 19, what, 78, 79, something like that. Um, uh, oh, I think early. Yeah. Yeah. 74. Is it earlier? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it stars Gene Wilder and Cleavon Little um, as, like, the main sort of protagonist. And essentially, mm-hmm. it's like there's this, there's sort of two parallel things. There's this little town um, that is having all these sort of awful things happen and doesn't, um, I'm sorry, there's a, there's a railroad being built through the town, right? It's out, we're yes. out west, we're in, I guess, it's supposed to be California. Yeah, by black and Chinese Right, workers. there's this, and, and mm-hmm. it sort of starts out with us meeting those people, meeting people on the railroad, and like building the railroad, and then, um, you know, these kind of like dastardly racist white people sort of like <laughs> running them, you know, doing this thing, and then... Um, it turning out that they have to like <laughs> divert the railroad through this town. And so then the leader of the dastardly because, because of, of quicksand. quicksand and then mm-hmm. the leader of the dastardly <laughs> people decides that he wants to try to like that, like he wants to both, you know, make sure that the, the railroad could run through the town, but also run the people from the town away so that he can have this very, yes. you know, now valuable land. And mm-hmm. so yes. they have to come up with this thing where, you know, so he, they, the bad guys first, like, send, um, you know, kind of outlaws to, like, terrorize the town. And the town yes. then says, well, this is terrible. Let's go get, we need a sheriff. Let's ask the governor um, for a sheriff. And the governor is, be, is like, this idiot who's being kind of manipulated yeah. and da, 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 played by Mel Brooks. Who's played and by Mel like Brooks. Yeah. And ridiculous, right? And so he's like a child. Yeah. He's like this child. And and the the bad guy, you know, says, well what can we do to make it so that these people hate their new sheriff and they leave town anyway. And so he decides mm-hmm. to send in and make this this black guy, Cleavon Little, um, into their sheriff. That their race basically counting mm-hmm. on their racism to run them out of run them out of town anyway, right? Which is a pretty yeah. safe bet, you know. Which is a safe point. bet, and it's also, yeah. I mean, the thing about this movie, there's a lot of things that don't hold up in terms of like mm. the humor, in terms of mm-hmm. so you know. Uh-huh. But there's things, the things that do are the things that are just still true, right? It's like I don't know what's a safe bet. Yeah. Like, can we manipulate white people based on their own racism to like? do what we want them to do, (laughs) you know, can, can more Uh powerful white people convince themselves, convince poor white people that black people and brown people are the problem? Yes. Yes, we can. Yeah. So, so they send him to the town and, you know, shenanigans ensue, but also it turns out that he's actually good at being a sheriff. 
right? And so mm-hmm. they, uh-huh. and he starts to figure out this whole scheme to run them out of town. And in, in so doing, like, you know, gets, I mean, ends up basically helping to hatch a scheme to like save the town basically by getting everyone to collaborate, right? Like getting the townspeople and the railroad workers to like work together to like drive mm-hmm. out the the bad guys. So um so yeah, that's the main the whole the main plot. And like so that part, you know, that whole that's like the theme, right? And it's a lot of him, you know, just dealing with yeah. these like racist you know, the way Gene Wilder ends up in it is that, like, in the, when he, like, gets to the, you know, jailhouse to do his job as a sheriff, he finds this yeah. drunk dude, like, in the drunk tank, and it turns out it's Gene Wilder, who's this, like, famous gunslinger, um, but who's now uh-huh. a drunk. Um, but they become, like, partners, you know, out in the West, saving people and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the big picture. I love Gene Wilder's hair. I can never stop looking at it because I don't know what's going on. It's a mystery. It's like, what is that? I love, I just love his hair. That's all. Yeah, um. it's really beautiful. It's really soft and wavy. Yeah, it looks like cotton candy. Yeah. Like you want to eat it's it. It's so or quaffed and like, and like, and he's so sort of, yeah, he's so, I mean, he he's so quiet and sort of mm-hmm. like even though he's like a drug he has these issues he's so he's so like demure you know like yeah um and has this like perfect hair they're like the perfect couple the two of them yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's a he's a gunslinger who's become a drunk yeah. because he uh he had this history of uh like a, a child said like uh like approach him from behind and was like uh draw your gun or something and he turns and he's he's gonna like blow away a kid and then he becomes an right because he's like the... that like that's his origin right. and story of... and why he why he's in the right tank. is that basically doing all this killing doing all this stuff like just made him too shaky made him too anxious mm-hmm. like messed him up um, and so now mm-hmm. he just is like, I'm tired. I do this other thing. Although he does get to use some of his skills in like saving people. Yeah. And he's supernatural, like, yeah. like a Bruce yeah. Lee yeah. kind of. It seems like the Gene Wilder character is this comment about sort of like taking away some of the power of masculinity. Like, and mm-hmm. to me, I see like those old Westerns uh. that it's sort of parroting as like also representations of like stereotypical masculinity and it's all about honor and tradition and you know all of those yes. things and then like and myth yeah and myth yeah. and legend and then gene wilder is this really soft-spoken gentle creature who yeah. has been traumatized from that more masculine past so it's kind of this like interesting comment on i like yeah. that i mean Part of what I think about when I see this movie, I think about the things, like I said, that don't hold up. Like, the things that, like, Mm -hmm. I thought was funny as a kid, and now that I, like, understand the world better, I'm like, is that really funny? Like, is it really funny to, like, basically the places where it punches down versus punching up, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, Mm -hmm. the character, there's this, like, side character of Mongo who is, like, first gets, like, sent in 
to like yeah. terrorize the town and then he ends up actually go come basically part of what happens is all the people that the bad guys try to like sick on um the town or sick on the sheriff uh-huh. the sheriff kind of woos them because he's so but it's because he's nice right like uh-huh. that's yeah. what it is is that right. it's not he doesn't dominate them he doesn't mess up he's nice and so, and again, it's like a great sort of character thing, but it also is like the character Mongo is that like, he's this big dude, you know, they sort of characterize him as being like, you know, like having a intellectual disability or whatever. And, and so the mm-hmm. funny thing is yeah. that he's like so dumb and so big or whatever. And it's like, you know, at this point in my life, I'm like, that's not really funny. Right. Like, um, right. Well, like, even his name, Mongo, right. is, like, that's short for exactly. Mongoloid, oh. right? Exactly. Which uh-huh. is, like, someone with Down exactly. syndrome. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, like, it's... Yeah, or like an outdated medical exactly. term. Exactly. So it's yeah. not funny, but the idea that... But what makes it work in the story is that it's, like, they're nice, right? Is that, like, ultimately Mongo is, like, I want to uh-huh. stay with you because you don't mm-hmm. abuse me. You don't whip me. You don't do these right. awful things. And then that one yeah. joke yes. where they're like, oh, it looks like Mongo's got a little, you know, crush on you. And then he goes, no, Mongo's straight. <laughs> and like... <laughs> right. I, I had to go back yeah. and uh, like, wait, what did he just yeah, say? I totally missed like, that. Wow. Yeah, and that's one of those things where as a kid, yeah. I was like, what does that mean? And then it's like... Uh, it's hilarious because um, he's like kind of smiling yeah. and stuff um, but yeah so it's like that characterization or the thing of, of yeah like making fun of somebody with Down syndrome in that way like or you know another intellectual disability is like just the characterization of him is just like dumb or you know whatever is like is unnecessary but the idea that uh-huh. does work is at least to me. And I say, when I say work, not just in terms of like, is it, you know, appropriate now that I sort of like understand the world differently, but also literally what makes it funny. Like what makes it funny is that like, uh-huh. and makes it work within the story is that mm-hmm. they, he, he's nice. They don't shoot him. They don't brutalize him. They play uh-huh. a joke on him and then they treat him nicely. And so then he's like, yeah, I want to be on your side. Um, Mm -hmm. and then of course the same with my personal favorite character. I don't know. Um, Lily Von Stipp. Come on. You you have. Oh my God. Like can sing that entire song. I watched the scene (laughs) twice in a row. One, two, three. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I'm tired. Sick and tired of love. I've had my bill. And and I just... <laughs> so played by Madeline, Madeline Kahn, Kahn, who is like, so she's like a fucking ice cream sundae and mm. everything she's ever Ugh. in, you just can't stop. You can't stop watching she's her. So she's lovable. so funny. And in this yeah. film, yeah. it's like her character, you know, she's supposed to be, you know, she's the, she's the like showgirl who's come to town and she gets sent by the... She's, like, fashioned after Marlena yeah. Dietrich. Yeah, and, totally. Um, yeah. Was it, like, there... She was in a Western, and I'm forgetting right. her name. Mm. And like, I don't know that one. But, yeah, she's... Fa- Saloon Angel right. or something. <laughs> she's fashioned after that character, and she's supposed to be there to, like, seduce and destroy the, you know, the hero. And so she had... But she has this number, right? And she has this, like, ridiculous German accent. <laughs> And yes. these like fluffy and great costumes. 
amazing, fluffy, ridiculous costumes. But what's great is that the song she sings in the saloon is called I'm Tired. And it's basically that she's just tired of stupid ass fucking men. <laughs> and mm -hmm. she's uh -huh. literally exhausted. Like through the song, she's just like bored and exhausted. <laughs> mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. plays yeah. it so perfectly. Like, I just yes. love that she's like the part towards the like in the second half of the song when all the like German soldiers come out and are oh, like yeah. have all this energy and she's just like sitting in the chair asleep. <laughs> like oh it's so good. It's so good. Um so uh Lily von Stoop what is what Stoop. And is 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 Stoop like Yiddish for fuck, right? Oh wow! Yeah. I see that. So she's yeah. Lily the fuck, <laughs> and she, you know, they have sex, and of course they make the like, you know, the the dick joke about like, you know, he's a black guy, he's got a big dick, blah blah blah. But then by the next day, she's like completely in love with him, right? Which again mm -hmm. is like goofy. But then like the great right. part in the scene when it's over is like when he le he finally does leave and kind of get out of her clutches is it is that her last line is wow he's such a nice guy <laughs> you know uh -huh. like, <laughs> which is like both yeah. funny because like the idea is that they've just been like you know screwing all night but also it's like that's the character right is that like yeah. what's great about him yeah. is that it's not that he is that he's clever and he's nice and he you know gets people yeah. to work together and mm -hmm. yeah do you know about the deleted um scene from that interaction that they had no yeah so there was i i mel brooks you know did a, some editing at the end i think he kind of got the rights to do that um instead of having the um the uh what's it the, the studio uh -huh. which would have been you know, I mean, sure, they they probably wouldn't have released it if, if it had been up to them. But in the scene, they're in there in the dark, you know, and it's, you know, they're sort of messing around. Um, evidently, um, he says, uh, Cleveland Little says something like, you know, I, I hate to disappoint you, but I think you're sucking on my arm or something, <laughs> something silly like that. Oh and to me, I'm like, I think that joke would have been fine. I don't know. I mean, there's so many other, like, penis jokes in here it just that doesn't seem to be like the one no. that, like they left mel brooks and brown face but like take out the penis joke right. it just doesn't i know you know okay yeah totally. right right you know and it probably had less to do with um <laughs> with, with a penis joke as it did with like an interracial sex exactly scene. Oh. and like like making white men feel really inadequate. Adequate. I mean, that's the thing about it is that like, this is the seventies and this is like very much produced, you know, in a way that again is meant to sort of like both be in and send up the studio system. Like these are people yeah. where like had full on anti-miscegenation, you know, kind of stuff going. Mm -hmm. So while on the one hand, you know, the part of me that rolls my eyes at the sort of black exploitation part of it, where it's like the goal is to be able to like, you know, get with white women and did it, you know, and all that kind of mess, which is like, whatever. Right. On the other hand, right, right. Which is just like kind of boring. But on the other hand, it's also like, 
Um, especially, <laughs> especially because as a black character, this central he's character, central. he is sexual, but he's subtle, right? Like he's not like, he's not the just yeah. like brute and the hero you know, forceful. Yeah. Like he's not like the, 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 you know, rape, rapey black character, yes. right? Yeah. Sophisticated. He's nicer. Right. He's funnier. Um, he, you know, and his sexiness is like, is, is present, but again, subtle where he's just like, I'm on, you know, yeah. He, mm-hmm. he's strategic and he's more sophisticated than anyone else in the, yeah, yeah. Well, and he even, uh, makes a joke. What was it when they were, um, trying to, um, you know, get amongst the, uh, the cooks and the, the, um, you know, whoever else they were hiring to, to become this mob. Oh, yeah. Uh, but then, you know, they're trying to get the, the guys dressed up in the KKK hoods and whatnot and the robes, their attention. And he says, what does he say? Like, Hey, where are your white women at? Oh where my God. It was so funny. Oh, right. Right. Uh, that is like one of the funniest things where, yeah, where, where he yeah he gets the clan yes. guys to chase him down yeah. by saying that yeah you see a couple mm-hmm. of moments when he's when he falls into like a stock black character mm-hmm. to interact mm-hmm. with the white mm-hmm. like terrorist mm-hmm. basically like when when he's working on the railroad crew and the the kind of four overseers come over and they're trying to get them all to sing mm. like a work song oh, and they're like so oh we don't know it but he's but he and they sing Cole Porter and that's like and I think it's useful to point out that that's like the opening scene yeah. of the film is that the first thing we see is these people working on the railroad these overseer people come over and they're just like gross and ridiculous and being like oh, why don't you sing a song uh-huh. and they keep and they suggest these songs and they're like we don't know that one we don't that can you and so they sing (laughs) that's where they sing cole porter (laughs) first off i get no kick you know and they all like harmonize perfectly and like are really like dapper and beautiful while they do it um and then convince those guys like the overseers to jump around singing camp, camp town like ladies. camp town yeah. ladies uh-huh. like a bunch of idiots yeah. and it's just hilarious and i love <laughs> and, like, it that's the opening scene when slim pickens makes them stop and he's like y'all what are you doing dancing around like a bunch of kansas city faggots <laughs> and <laughs> that no, that is both shocking oh, and delightful man. to think about like I know. at that moment in time that like kansas city yeah. would have been like the sodom and gomorrah of the west <laughs> right. like the, the right. intellectual <laughs> effete capital uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and again, when you talk, think of the context of like, you know, that part among others in terms of, yeah, Slim Pickens saying that thing. It's not the only time where he kind of makes that kind of, I mean, obviously there's like gay jokes throughout, yeah. but one of the things that happens in the movie, so we get through the whole thing, they're running these schemes, da, da, da. And at the end of the movie, it then goes totally Mm -hmm, surreal, mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Like they're having this whole, they have this whole battle. And part of the way that they basically convince the, the like bad guys to avoid the town is that they basically build a fake version of the town to convince the bad guys who are coming in to like, you know, take over, 
and terrorize everyone is that basically they convince them of it and then they're going to fight them off because they will have them sort of captured. And so they do this. They build this whole fake town. This is where they collaborate between the townspeople and the... Um, the railroad. Uh, and and yeah. the railroad workers. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, this is this, like, great moment, and they do this. And as this big, like, battle royale is happening, it's suddenly like the camera literally pans back and they're on a set uh-huh. in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, and they like break down the set. Right, right, on a studio lot, yeah. On a studio lot, and then they end up <laughs> they end up on the set of that like weird, like, um, yeah, that, oh, uh, it's, it's a, like a musical, like a Busby Berkeley yeah, musical. Yeah, yeah. And isn't it called like the French mistake or something? <laughs> yes. And it's, it's an all male cast oh. where they're all like right. all these male dancers are in tuxedos with canes and they're tap dancing. They've got to do this dance where they like stick out their bums and like, it's so yeah. funny. I mean, it's so yeah. The and Dom DeLuise as the director of the musical. As the director of the musical is so fucking perfect and like he's perfect and he's both like you know and it's so perfect where he's like you know he's saying you know calling them mary you know sissies and mary and watch me faggots but it's also like it's doing that thing where it's like Mm -hmm. he's queer too right like it's like that version of it and so part of it in that moment it's like oh right this whole world is like being constructed by Mm -hmm. a bunch of fags yeah yeah this whole kind of thing and so it's and that when they get there and they bust into it it's like of course the gay men on the set they are on the side of of, you know, righteousness. They're against the patriarchy. Right. They right. fight off and, you know, and it's ridiculous and all this stuff happens, but there's even that, like, one moment where there's, like, the one bad outlaw cowboy who, like, goes to, like, beat up the one gay dude and, and then comes out the other side and they're, like, going home together. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now they're coupled up. I love that yeah. moment when you have two of the... Um you know, the, the the men in the tuxedos and they're swimming in the little swimming pool in such a way where they oh, like, yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but they- It's, it's synchronized Yeah, swimming. they're like rotating yeah. on opposite, opposite together. It's so and good. It's just so funny, the fact that they're doing that and amongst all this chaos, having right. this little mm-hmm. theatrical moment. And it's like yeah. so absurd, but then that's also where it's like both the Mel Brooks like absurd meta thing that he does, but then also the extent to which it's like a send up of, you know, so like as a kid loving that, I was like, oh my God, crazy. Th- I can't believe it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. this is crazy. You know, fourth wall, what's that? Yeah. Right. So yeah. there's that, but then it also, it, it like, reinforces how much it's just like a send up of all of these different like tropes you know of you know like you said of masculinity of just like movie heroes in general yeah Um, my friend Allison Atchison who is a curator in Oklahoma City just sent me a um, a recorded town like town hall city council meeting in Edmond Oklahoma which is just above Oklahoma City and there were people um, at this city council meeting speaking out against the acknowledgement of pride this June in 2021. Mm-hmm. 
and and you know it's all these people going like well i raised my family here and i don't know why we need to acknowledge this special interest group and i am not interested in the way people get off and this is just in my opinion this is just about how people get off like not acknowledging wow. like queerness mm -hmm. and and you know like looking at this film like looking at the construction of like the american myth through hollywood mm -hmm. and the west and how queer people have always been there mm -hmm. like like creating the culture but like sometimes having to kind of puppeteer it through straight characters mm -hmm. but it's always been there's like queer people have always had such a, a big part in constructing this this idea of america mm -hmm. but like americans don't acknowledge it and it's funny because like you're in oklahoma naima mm -hmm. like you're this like mm -hmm. east coast west coast gal who is like found herself in oklahoma and found herself in Oklahoma and, but also is like kind of a country guy, like who likes, I mean, not unlike Cleveland Little, right? Like who ultimately, you know, at the end of the movie, <laughs> yeah. he's like, I just got to ride the range and I just got, and you know, and he's there, you know, because his family came out West like everybody else and, and did it. And like, mm -hmm. it's such a, you're right. It's like such this mythology. Part of what I love about how queerness kind of works in this, movie is like how kind of casual it is is that like it's and it's and again it's like it's all over it like no one would probably like this movie is not going to win any like glad awards right like it's not like <laughs> it's not like yeah. you know the really like important you know queer moment right but at the time it was the only queer visibility in 1974 right. yeah it was or like you well, know, part of what I mainstream. exactly well mainstream where it's present and it's you know it, it's doing that thing where it's quiet but it's also very present and like just casual it's just like there it's just like people mm -hmm. just are saying these things people are just experiencing these things and it's not and it's yes it's for laughs but it, it you definitely mm -hmm. get the sort of like we're laughing at ourselves or we're mm. laughing at these other right. people's dumbness as much as it's of anything else. And I would say in particular, the like Gene Wilder and Cleavon Little kind of characters who aren't necessarily like, I mean, they're not like in love or whatever, but they're definitely like a couple, right? Like they're, they're, def flirting. they're definitely yeah. flirting. They're definitely like have that sort of like confident, sexuality kind of thing where they're like, no, we don't have to do all this other shit because we're just, we're just this dapper and into each other. <laughs> and, and how this will go over the heads of a lot of member uh, audience members. Exactly. Like they won't actually pick up on no, it. No, no. And, you know, and I think that like the, I mean, myself included, right? As a little kid, just being like, this is just so funny. And then later as like a queer adult being like, oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I see. Um, that's what that look that's was. That's what was going on. And, and I think about that, you know, in the context, I mean, I don't know what was, I mean, I know a lot of different things about it were like funny to my dad and, you know, but part of it is it's like also in those industries, like, you know, my family, my dad's a, you know, working musician. He also worked in Broadway in addition to, you know, jazz and other things. And so just the reality that in sort of like 
places of culture in Hollywood, in uh-huh. musicals, in music, all these other things. Of course, there's lots of queer people. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so not to say that their lives were some sort of ease of panacea. It's a lot of open secrets, all this other stuff. But the idea that that's somehow weird, right? Like that those, there's, it's just versus like, that's just part of what's uh-huh. happening. <laughs> um, right, mm-hmm. right. Like, like a, like a community, like you've got different types of people mm-hmm. work, like existing in the world, mm-hmm. working in your industry, mm-hmm. like contributing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just kind of being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seemed like this movie was really giving the middle finger to the Hayes Code that I guess, I don't know. Yes. I don't know when the Hayes Code was finally um, put to rest, thankfully. Um, but it's like, yeah, I'm not sure either. I don't, I feel like it was probably almost, uh, it, it came about in the forties, right? Forties or forties. And I, I okay. feel like it lasted maybe until the sixties, but, um, maybe up until the seventies. Um, yeah. Uh, but was a template for censorship totally, and totally like approved content yeah. and the rating system. Okay, so I'm, I'm actually, I went to Wikipedia and it says oh, the Motion Picture Production Code, you'd also know as the Hayes Code from the Hayes Commission, um, was 1934 to 1968, which yeah, means yeah, that when yeah. this movie came out, that was not, that it's, was not that long it's ago. Like six years right. after. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's particularly in the context of, and not that like, you know, the rating system is what came later and it had its own thing, but it was like, you know, which is its own self-censorship, blah, blah, blah. But, like, part yeah. of it, the extent to which the, all of the sort of open secrets and it particularly it's, like, studio system, which also at the time was starting to kind of fall apart at that point. I mean, not that there weren't still studios, but the whole kind of, like, contract players kind mm-hmm. of thing was starting mm-hmm. to kind of disintegrate at that point. And, like, yeah, it was those kinds of movies and certainly the kinds of movies that, you know, Mel Brooks grew up in and around and Richard Mm -hmm. Pryor grew up in and around, you know, like that was the template that they were kind of like all so much of like film and TV and stuff in the seventies was about, you know, kind of like pushing on some of that stuff. And so this being Mm -hmm. a very good example. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he Um, almost, he had sort of carte blanche, you know, of like he, didn't you know representing the clergy in such a way and then minorities and this you know the bad guys and all of that all of those Mm -hmm. rules um you know references to to sex and sexuality and homosexuality Mm -hmm. it's like he uh really used this and um richard pryor used it as an example of like okay we're gonna really shake things up and i think they (laughs) that's probably why the studios the studio hated this um movie oh i didn't know this yeah it was i mean really well received commercially but the studio yeah um, and they i think that they knew maybe that it basically punched a hole through certain genres like a western that was really Mm -hmm. their cash cow yes you know and so they well yeah well you know growing up on a farm on a ranch uh with like basically like cowboy family like oh, yeah. we all we always 
Um, if we go see a film, it was usually like a western, and I fucking hated. Oh, me western. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that they were boring, like a lot of battles, just like blam, 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 like killing Indians, mm. whatever. You know, I just wasn't that engaged with westerns. But I remember my mom and dad going to see Blazing Saddles oh. on like a date night, and I think I was ten years old. And them coming back and asking them, like, what was the movie about? And I remember my mom kind of, like, laughing about, like, cowboys sitting around the campfire farting, <laughs> you know, and how that scene just goes on and on and on. But, like, she didn't talk about other elements of the film, but I remember my dad was just like, you know, he didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and he didn't like it. Because it was aimed at, like, people like him. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, kind of, I don't know, like, kind of simple people stuck in a different age. Right. With, like, very hard and fast prejudices. Yeah. Right. Well, it was not only, what's interesting is it's not only aiming at them, it was also recentering it on, you know, these, like, what you could sort of perceive as these city slickers. But again, what was so great about these city slickers is that like their prowess was cleverness and Mm -hmm. like, and community, right? Was Mm -hmm. that ultimately what wins the day is that they convince the simple people, you know, who they, you know, and, and for good reason have been making fun of the whole time. But in the end, they don't just like, dump the the simple people they say how about you get over your racist bullshit and like collaborate with these people i will say um (laughs) one of my favorite lines in the entire film it's like you could never ever have a white man say it again (laughs) but like i crack up so much in that whole point where they're like trying to negotiate um the 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 deal between the rail workers and the town Uh and the town leader the mayor whatever says you know they're talking about it and they're like we don't know we don't know because it's like the railroad so he says we'll take the niggers and the c words like derogatory word for chinese people but Uh we won't take the irish (laughs) (laughs) right Uh and i just love it i think it's so funny like just in terms of like all of the arbitrary, stupid, ridiculous yes. kinds of prejudices and, you know, the yeah. idea that, like... And to point out mm. that the Irish were, like, pariahs in American society and the Italians and, yeah. Right, and to sort of be, like, exactly. And so they're... Exactly, to sort of point that out, point out the ridiculousness of it. Um, also, yeah. you know, but then, you know, of course they said, oh, okay, you know, and, and, and that the, the, the railroad people are like, no, it's either all of us or mm-hmm. exactly. none of us. And yeah. that's like, that's the fantasy, right? Like that's the dream where it's like the worker, all these working poor people kind of collaborating against this like greed and wealth. Yeah. Um, to get what they need. I feel like this is a prophetic metaphor for Obamacare. Totally. <laughs> because it, totally. it's like a black man is going to save you. Uh-huh. Are you going to let him save you? Or is your prejudice so, so strong, strong that you're willing to go down the tube yeah. right. and just like, 
uh, embracing your prejudice. They yeah. had like the those uh, folks that said, "Oh, I don't like Obamacare," and then but they like, but I really like the you know Affordable Care Act, and it's like right, yeah. and it's like, the, same. the same thing. Guess what, bitch? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you know, for me, as I look at it and think about it, it's it that again thinking like what holds up and what doesn't with the sort of knowledge and understanding that I have now, you know, and and particular, not just about like prejudice and punching down and stuff, but also about like the actual history of the West, right? The whole kind of Mm -hmm. like erasure of the indigenous presence there and then replacing it Mm. with, you know, um, the one moment of, of anybody indigenous there of Mel Brooks in, in brown face speaking Yiddish. Now the yes. fact of Mel Brooks yeah. in the middle of the desert, full throated speaking Yiddish, no translation. That part is funny, but him in brown face, the whole thing, it's just like what, what, in addition to just like the, you know, him wearing that headdress and the brown face and all that stuff being so awful. It's also like, yeah. you know, it's, the whole story is sort of playing into this idea that like, that there was no, there's no indigenous people left. Right. That that's like, that there's nobody there. Right. Like both that scene. I mean, in some way that scene acknowledges that people were there, but like in the rest of it, the idea that like, there's just nobody, right. Mm -hmm. That the actual, but in reality, it's like the actual story, especially, you know, here living in Oklahoma, uh, specifically, it's like the actual story of like cowboys and the West and who those people actually were. And even the idea yeah. of like a black cowboy being a transplant from New York, essentially, which is what they have him be, uh-huh. essentially, is actually not the story, right? It's like right. who mm-hmm. cowboys actually were. Um, before it became yeah. the sort of mythology of this like white yeah. man Western kind of thing was that it was like brown people. It was black mm-hmm. people, it was indigenous people, it was yeah. Mexican people right. who were doing labor. Queer people. Queer yeah. people, exactly, mm-hmm. out here doing this labor. You know, I had this one yeah. friend, I don't know if this is actually true to the like histories of stuff, but I had this one friend, you know, telling this um this guy I used to know in back in Washington when I lived there and we would sort of um he was an S person we would talk about different kind of weird cultural realities of like you know where people sort of had this like mythology of either black people not existing in the west or like indigenous people not existing at all anyway Mm -hmm. so he would say like he's like where do you think they got the term boy from like who gets to be called boy in a culture of whiteness it's usually brown people right it's black people like these were the laborers Uh right Uh these were they're Uh cow herders they're laborers right and so you have Uh these brown skin laborers doing this work but then over time time uh-huh. you get this mythology of you know the western culture and dominating yes. the land and like all this other stuff yeah. and so it's sort of like and so living in Oklahoma in particular where that is very much the culture of you know yeah. who and I mean you and like I've now been spending time like going to the black rodeo here and I'm looking at st- this stuff happening yes. and I'm like or going to the Mexican rodeo or going to you know the um the Indian relays or things like that. And you're like, okay, so everything that cowboys and white people think of as theirs, 
It's actually uh-huh. the other way around. And I don't just mean like because uh-huh. we do it now, but it's like if you actually look at the cultural stuff and where it's coming from, you realize how yes. much is actually coming from these people's cultural realities and white yeah. like uh-huh. everything else, white people come and sort of like bastardize it, make it less fun and mm-hmm. <laughs> and make it racist. <laughs> but like everything from right? Like <laughs> So everything from the music, the leather, the hurting itself, you know, like Uh all of those cultural realities are like, you know, at the very least multicultural, right? Mm -hmm. Like cross-cultural. Naima, I don't know why you have to bring critical race theory into this sweet little movie about cowboys. And uh, (laughs) So, yeah. You know, I wanted to... I wanted to point out, too, like, Oklahoma City has this museum of, uh, I think it's called Western Heritage, Mm. and it's the Cowboy Hall of Fame, and um, we used to take family vacations there when I was a kid (laughs) from Louisiana, believe it or not. Yeah, that was our destination, and... um, (laughs) And, and so my dad was a pro rodeo cowboy, so he had friends and we, that were enshrined in the uh, Cowboy Hall of Fame. But there's a, a significant character in this man named Bill Pritchett, who was a black cowboy who invented steer wrestling. Oh. And Naima, I feel like you and I have talked about him before. Bill Pickett might be somebody else because there's a whole big like Bill Pickett. I thought it was rodeo, but I don't know for sure. But it also wouldn't be surprising if there was more than one big significant black. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what I'm. There is right. It's just is he is he enshrined? Is he acknowledged? Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Because it's kind of like that museum is kind of a sea of whiteness Mm -hmm. and it could definitely do with some critical race Mm -hmm. theory and some updates. Exactly. um, Vis-a-vis what you were just talking about. Well, one of the parts that stuck out to me that seemed so memorable was when the old granny was like super awful and racist. And (laughs) it was just nice to see that because I feel like little old ladies... Um, get this reputation for being super sweet and kind. And I know the opposite uh, to be true mm-hmm. of yes. some little old ladies. And mm-hmm. then the way that they were like punching her in the gut, you know, and that was just, yes. oh, it was just, it was, yeah. She says, have you ever seen such cruelty in their punching her in the gut? And of course that's totally <laughs> ironic because she's also a very cruel person. Right. Um, he Like yeah. the, the sheriff character meets her on the street and he's like, how are you, ma'am? Mm-hmm. And doesn't she say like, up yours in Right. Yep. Yeah. She does. Brutal. It, yeah. She's awful. But later apologizes and brings him a pot. But then um, says like, don't tell anybody that I was yeah. here. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. Don't tell anybody I'm not an awful racist uh-huh. right. bitch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Please don't ruin I have a reputation. Please don't ruin it. Exactly. I know. And like I what I kind of think about is like, you know, in the updated version of this film where you have the reality of some of like in a place like Oklahoma where or now right where like what I'm Mm -hmm. learning is that some of the small towns especially the ones that are like close to the reses here 
are actually pretty uh-huh. like multicultural and mm. they do have that really? sort of small town. Yeah, because I mean, especially around here where, you know, Oklahoma was not was not supposed to be a state. It was, you know, Indian territory and for a long time the only people who were That's owning right. land here were in, indigenous and black. And it was mm. a lot of the black people were, you know, people who had come on the Trail of Tears with you know, the indigenous tribes who had owned them. And then later people post-emancipation who were like getting land allotments. And it really wasn't until later, both, you know, post the civil war and when the white people figured out, like when, you know, the indigenous people and the black people were actually having prosperity. I mean, that's the whole history of black wall street. Those people wouldn't have had that land if they didn't have those land allotments. And then they figured out that there was oil here and that they could have prosperity. And so they, start trying to steal it back, you know, from the Osage and the Osage murders and from, Mm -hmm. you know, the black people by trying to undermine their, you know, prosperity. And so what I think about, and so now some of those same people, so it's like, if you look at the population of like Okmulgee and the little towns right around there, they actually have these pockets that are like, it's not a lot of people. So it's not like a lot of people but like by percentages it's like pretty it's not high but it's like there's more black and brown people than you would think right um Uh for like a Uh small western town or like a small rural town and so and part of it is like and part of what i'm learning and witnessing and appreciating here is like a there's so much like culture in those contexts and just people, and of course, it's like a lot of people like and want to have land. A lot of people want peace and like, and and a beauty and a place be. to be that's theirs <laughs> and like, yeah. and to do just like country stuff because it's fun. Like when you, the, what I love about the Black Rodeo is it's a rodeo and it's fun. And it's like, and it's like <laughs> who doesn't want like families and animals and fun and outside and all that, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, but we also don't yeah. have like yeah. dominated by a bunch of white people, um, to mm-hmm. make it <laughs> shitty, you know? And so yeah. I think that yeah. like the, um, that would be my thing is it's sort of like still engaging with the racism, still engaging with the need for the various kinds of poor people to kind of like, um, you know, collaborate with each other in order to like fight off the rich people but also like an acknowledgement of like okay y'all have this land in the first place is because these indigenous people getting screwed over and Mm -hmm. actually this town these towns and these communities are never as white as y'all think they are and these cultural Mm -hmm. things that you find really appealing are actually you know, from so many of, or actually from a diverse culture. Um, And in some ways that's like in its way, the story that this thing is trying to tell, like, you know, it's not actually the case that there, there weren't like black people and Jews and, you know, all kinds of different people in the West. It's just sort of like our conception of them being there Uh is so limited and we don't have like, we don't, the mythologies don't know how, to kind of reckon with that. And, you know, Mel Brooks and Richard Pryor are definitely from New York, so they don't really know it either, Uh (laughs) right? Uh But, like, it's very much, like, more complicated than we're usually, like, Uh given Uh to understand. They desanitized it in a way that, like, with that sense of humor, 
And it seems like um, you use some of that work, that humor in your work too, uh, Naima, where you sort of have this like, it's like a really, you know, because I was looking on your website and I, I saw this work that it's like, it's very funny, but it's also very powerful. And I think you have these really great... This Wait, great which thing of mine do you think is funny? Because oh, I often God. think my work is funny and that other people don't know, oh, feel really? uncomfortable to laugh because it's about, like, racism so much. Oh, um, wow. So now I'm like... So whenever people find it funny, I'm real excited. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought, like... Uh-huh. I mean, obviously, I'm not seeing it in person, but, you know, the definitely, like, the, um, the 39 questions for white people, I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even the Richard Simmons, <laughs> Till You Die... Like, mm-hmm. uh, that performance is so funny to me. And then even, like, the pink ropes. Like, there's something about the pink ropes that I saw that I just thought that was sort of clever in the way that, like, we can interpret the ropes in all of these different ways and these right. different environments. And there's something really playful about, you know, the presentation. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I I would definitely say you're an artist who enjoys humor. I, I totally got that. That's awesome. I appreciate yeah. that. You know, I want to say two things real quick. My the batteries sure. on my headphones are running low, so oh. we, that just so we you know, can, so we might we can start wrap wrapping up soonish. Up. Yeah. But I I appreciate that because I you know the, the 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 I went to graduate school in film, which is funny to given what I do now. I mean, I taught film for years. I don't think of myself as a filmmaker, but um, and it's a long story how I got how that ended up being the case which we could talk about another podcast, but uh-huh. I remember we had to do a like presentation about like films that were like meaningful. And there's like all these, <laughs> my film school friends, like bringing their like Truffaut or like some, or like, I don't know, some, you know, contemporary, mm-hmm. like, you know, art house, art house films, films mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe like, and I'm like, I fucking brought Blazing Saddles. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, this is the best movie ever. It's fucking uh-huh. hilarious. It makes fun of racism. Everyone should watch it. And I remember them being like, who yeah. is this chick? Um, but I, I appreciate you talking about humor in my work because I think, I mean, part of it is like humor is so melancholy, right? It's mm-hmm. like, and you see that in those main characters yes. is like, you know, like if we go back to Madeline Kahn, part of what makes her so funny in her moment is that she's so kind of like sad, right? Like she's just like, this yes. is the dumbest thing and the yeah. saddest, most boring thing in the world. And that is hilarious, right? Mm. For a woman in that profession and, you know, with all her beautiful clothing and all this other stuff to also just be like, everything is dumb um, and uh-huh. and kind of sad. And so like, for me, that blend between humor and melancholy is so strong um, but it sometimes, mm-hmm. I think maybe gets missed in, sometimes people see my work and only see the melancholy and don't know that they're allowed to laugh. Um, um, do we want to, uh, briefly, uh, recap and just say that you've got a couple of exhibitions up? Sure. In, um, yeah. Wonderful. In, uh, Living Arts in Tulsa until, was that August 9th? It's August 6th. It goes, it's in, yeah, it's at Living Arts in Tulsa until August 6th. And then actually the same exhibition in a different iteration is going to move to Art Space in Oklahoma City uh, opening August 19th and going through September 19th. That's Wonderful. excellent. Well, yeah. do we want to yeah. uh, really quickly um, talk about our next guest? 
Uh, well, yeah. yeah. And I think he... Is, uh, is it Christy Blizzard uh, talking about Hedwig and the Angry Inch? It could be. It could also be Anne <laughs> Wood talking about Marie Antoinette. Oh. We're not sure yet, but we're working on it. Oh, so okay. It's a surprise. Oh, we're giving away a lot of information. It's a, I know. We're, it's a peek behind the messy curtain, I'm afraid. <laughs> 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 it's a mess back there. Uh, what's that like silly sign people have in their house? It's like, bless this mess. Like, that's very much this podcast. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be uh, wonderful, irregardless which which episode comes next. I'm really excited. I mean, we've already watched Hedwig, so I mean, I've been kind of itching to talk about that one too. Um, Itch, itching to talk about itching, the angry inch. Itching about it, yeah. So. Is it an angry itch? It, it, sometimes it can be. Yes, it can. Um, <laughs> well, Naima, yes, thank, thank you, you for uh, for being yeah, on the podcast. Thank you for including me. This was a lot of fun. This was wonderful. It was really mm-hmm. lovely to to you. You have such a wonderful way to like express the um, like the the subtleties of this movie because I honestly I feel like I've learned a lot um, from talking with both of you about this podcast or this movie. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for giving me a chance to watch my literal favorite movie of all time. (laughs) And and Naima, I I want you to send um, Aaron some pictures of you and your dad. Oh, yeah, I will. Yeah. Maybe maybe we can share that on social media because um, I had an opportunity to meet uh, Naima's Mm. dad, who is like just a beautiful guy and um, like... Yeah. Cool. So since we spoke about him, oh. and we collaborate a lot and and have some upcoming projects together, mm-hmm. um, and he'll get a kick out of hearing stuff about Blazing Saddles because it is yes, his yeah. his yes, jam. So yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Yay. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Naima. Right. We'll have a great day. Thank you. And, um, yeah. We'll talk yep. soon. Okay. Bye. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye.